1: The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407 790 9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. What's up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. Uh, getting us out a little bit later than usual on Thursday afternoon, but here we are. And, uh, man, just like that, we're in basketball season, because, and you know that because it's flipping frigid outside right now in Central Florida, ELO. Uh, you know, they, they keep talking about football weather. I mean, I felt like I was back in Atlanta when I walked out this morning.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, it is very cold. Uh, I, I, I don't plan on going out anytime soon uh until but uh, fortunately but let's be honest i mean cold for us there's a, like probably about a lot of every state in the northeast would take exactly our weather compared to other places Fair so point let's let's i mean let's be honest this is not this is fine if this is what we have to tolerate then i'm okay <laughs> with it
1: are you like the opposite of that that meme with the dog where he's like this is fine with the coffee cup while you know well, his apartment was yeah. on fire. Listen, and- I've
0: ta- I, I listen I, my sister lives in Manassas, Virginia. They just they've had blizzards up there. They got snow. Like they have trouble getting out of the house. I have a friend in Houston. They had an ice storm. Like, I, I'm like, all oh, right, I get it. I get it. We're, we're not that bad off. I get it. It's good.
1: <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, we know that it's basketball season now because it's cold. So we're going to spend a lot of time. Speaking of cold, what? yeah, Yeah, we'll what? talk about that. Um, UCF men's and women's basketball uh this week we're going to do a deep dive on both teams just kind of give you like a little uh s- sort of update on exactly where they stand not just in the conference but, t- but in the national picture overall so we're going to look at men's basketball first women's basketball second um and uh and then from there we're also going to talk a little bit of, a little bit more about football um we're going to have um we're going to talk about th- th- okay so the scheduling thing with UCF right and discuss. Okay, you know they put. Remember they. So the whole thing about how they put the billboard up in in uh, Tuscaloosa, but hey, how Alabama have a home at home? We got a couple of. Uh, we got we got an opinion about scheduling that we're going to share with you. So, um. right,
0: at the, at, because obviously it was official. Uh, we knew about this, but it was official with this week with the ACC schedule coming out for uh, that Pittsburgh yeah. and North Carolina is on the UCF schedule uh, in 2018. UCF goes to North Carolina September 15th. <laughs> Pittsburgh, I, uh, they play Pittsburgh on the 29th. And, so we got some, got, you
1: know. I th- got Syracuse fans who, by the way, are in the ACC. And for those of you who don't yeah. know, I went to graduate school at Syracuse, so I'm an alum of both UCF and Syracuse. And they're calling UCF out saying, oh, congratulations, you got UNC and Pitt on your non conference schedule. That's really going to do you guys wonders. Hey, shut up, Syracuse. You're playing Holy Cross next year. I thought, for, holy Lord almighty, I thought Holy Cross gave up their football program 20 years ago. But uh, anyway. Um, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that in, in a second, but, um, let's, let's go to basketball right now. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of like Syracuse, right? Um, let's talk men's basketball and, uh, start. Oh, by the way, before we get, to, uh, before we get to that, don't forget to follow us at dot facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. You can also follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, follow Eric, at Eric Lopez, Elo, don't forget to also follow Brian Murphy at spokes underscore Murphy, and Derek Warden at underscore D S Warden. Our staff members here at Black and Gold Banneret, uh, as well. You can also listen to this podcast via the podcast app of your choice, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tune It In, or, t- or Tune In rather, whatever it is that you may want. So um, let's go ahead and dive right in with uh, men's basketball. All right. In the thick of conference playing now, Eric Lopez. And Tuesday night was a rough night for UCF at home against Cincinnati. Remember UCF defeated Cincinnati at home last year um, in a game that was very similarly styled uh, this time around. It was televised on CBS Sports Network. But UCF uh, unable to bring uh, the victory on the home court, uh, falling to Cincinnati, number 11 Cincinnati, mind you, uh, 49 to 38 in a game that was every bit as ugly as it sounds. Um, The Knights actually led by four at the break, uh, 19 to 15. But then Cincinnati, who scored, like I said, who scored only 15 points in the first half, more than doubled it in the second. They outscore UCF 34 to 19. Give the Knights points for consistency, 19 points in each half. But um, this is a Cincinnati team that shot 6 of 26 in the first half and then went 13 of 28 in the second. So almost 50%. Meanwhile, UCF just couldn't get anything to fall. 7 of 31 in the first half, 8 of 19 in the second. Um, the free throw struggles uh continue for UCF. 3 of 10 at the line, 5 of 17 from three-point range were the Knights' uh, leading score for uh UCF. No scores in double figures in this game. Um, leading scorers were uh, uh Terrell Allen with 7 Taco Fall was seven. BJ Taylor made his debut. He's back in he's back on the floor. He finished with six points, one rebound, and one assist on three of seven shooting. Looked very tentative out there, like he was still feeling out feeling everything out. And um, you know, when you make your return against a team like, you know, th- as good defensively as Mick Cronin' Cincinnati Bearcats. I guess that's to be understood. Uh Gary Clark led all scorers with uh, uh 15 or excuse me 17 points and 15 rebounds for uh Cincinnati as the uh Bearcats outbo- actually got outboarded by UCF 36-35. Um but it didn't matter. Elo, you were there. Um I thought this ba- I watched on television. I thought this game set the game of basketball back about 60 years. What did you think?
0: <laughs> uh <laughs> wow um here's the thing it was awful
1: it was an it was an
0: awful, awful well, well game. you know i've had this argument with people i love this every so so we always poo poo like defensive games oh it's terrible this but yeah when we get a football game that's sixty two fifty five, it's the greatest game that's ever been played yes. why? why why is that because it's, why fun. Is like, it's fun it's fun there's not, no defense being played like is well, that? Idiot? isn't fun well, I don't think it's a bad game because teams are playing defense. Look, anybody that was surprised by that score, I wasn't. I mean, you mentioned last year it was a 53-49 to 49 game. You're talking about two of the top defenses in the country. It's a fact. Yeah. You look at field goal percentage in the country. Cincinnati's number three in the country, only giving up 36%. UCF's number five. Cincinnati's number two in the country in scoring defense. UCF's number three. These are two of the top defenses in the country. Mick Cronin is one of the top defensive coaches in the college basketball. So I'm not surprised that this was a, a low scoring, quote, ugly game because these two teams play 40 minutes of defense. So I knew that whoever got to 50 was probably going to be the winner or at Nobody least. In not to day, 50. Close. Well, 49 is <laughs> pretty good. I mean, close <laughs> enough. So um, so i 'm going to defend both teams on that regard. I was not surprised by this, and uh, guess what if these two teams play again it 's going to be another game in the low scoring deal
1: now i 'll say this though i 'll say this yeah. they, they, okay there 's a difference between a defensive struggle that 's an entertaining close intense basketball game i think we've I think we 've both seen that plenty of times, but this wasn 't that i mean this this wasn 't a close game i thought by by any real by by any real means, there was only uh, one tie, uh, only two lead changes. Uh, it was basically a tale of two halves, um, and uh, and in the second half, boy, Cincinnati just they they figured out UCF's defense, and uh, right. and they got some easy buckets in the second half. This was it, it was if it was close like last year's game, I would see what you mean, but. This game was ugly, and it really kind of wasn't close. When, when Cincinnati jumped out, I think it was, it was by, by about five points in the second half, I thought the game was over. And I tweeted, with four minutes to go, um, I said, you know, it's taken UCF. I think UCF was down nine. Uh, yeah, they were down 45-36 with about four minutes left. And I tweeted out, I said, it's taken UCF 36 minutes to score 36 points. Does anyone out here think that they're going to score nine in the next four? I don't. <laughs>
0: No, that's fair, but Cincinnati's really good. Like, you know, oh, yeah, Wichita no State's doubt. gotten a lot of the attention, but Cincinnati might still be the best team in the American Conference. I, I mean, want to
1: see those two teams hook up.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think those are the two best teams in the American Conference. I think those two and certainly SMU made a statement this week knocking off Wichita State on Wednesday night. So but look, they're very good. Cincinnati's a legit team and they're tough to score on and UCF's got problems offensively. You're absolutely right about that. I mean B J Taylor is back. He's limited in minutes. You can't expect BJ in his first game back to carry the load uh, offhand. And unfortunately there are some guys that are, that all had a bad nights. and there's definitely been an issue of shooting the ball with this ball club compared to last year. Let's be honest. They miss Matt Williams. They miss Matt Williams oh boy, perimeter shooting ever. and they miss. And, and I think we've underestimated guys like Banyard from last year that maybe the stats didn't show a lot, but they made key shots from time to time. So, You're right. This is not a great shooting team. They've missed B.J. Taylor. Let's be honest. I think when we were coming into the season and the expectations, the belief was that B.J. and Aubrey Dawkins was going to carry the offense. Well, Aubrey Dawkins is out for the year, and B.J. has been out all year except for the first half of the first game of the season. So where is the offense going to come from? Certainly A.J. Davis had a rough night. That would be the target that should have probably – know you got to get more out of him. You know, the youngsters, the, the youngsters, the rest of the rosters, young got young players are always up and down. And uh, that that unfortunately they're down in this case against the very good Cincinnati team. So you're right. Look, the offense, it's had its issues, um, and that is a concern moving forward when you're playing the Cincinnati's and the Wichita States uh in this league. That's where you're going to get exposed. Now, I will say this BJ's back.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's
0: see. As he gets himself back into shape, as he gets himself back into chemistry with this team, let's see if this team now gets better as we move forward. Because if you would have told me back in October that B.J. Taylor would have missed all these games, I would not have thought that this basketball team would be where they're at right now.
1: Right. Well, they're 12-6 and six right now. Right. Uh, but 3-3 three and three in the conference. They're in a four-way tie for fifth. Uh, with SMU, Tulane, and UConn, uh, Cincinnati is undefeated and sixteen and five and zero in the conference, sixteen and two overall. Uh, Wichita, which you mentioned, fifteen and three, five and one in the league with that loss to SMU. Um, Houston and Memphis are tied for third in the conference at four and two. Houston's fourteen and four, Memphis thirteen and six. So, um, so yeah, they're in a pretty good spot. Right now, we checked their RPI right now. It's at 60. They're going to, like I think you said earlier, Eric, they're going to have to get into the 40s, by the way, in order for that to, sure. to, to have an advantage. Now, now, I will say and, this, though. Right. Elsewhere in the American, um, let's see, what do you have here? So you have, so you have UCF at 60. SMU, by virtue of that win over Cincinnati, jumped from 81 to 59 in the, RP, in the RPI. Yep. Houston, Wichita State win. Yep. yep. Houston fell down four spots from 52 to 56. Temple moved up four spots to 50, and uh, I'm looking for see who else is it. Okay, so Wichita's 28, down from 18, and Cincinnati's at 24, up from 26, and they're the top RPI team in the American right now. Is Cincinnati at 24? So, um, so looking at that, yes, obviously UCF has some work to do if they want to if they want to boost the RPI. Uh, in order to get to the, but they have uh, NCAA. opportunities.
0: They have they, they have do. opportunities moving forward to do that. They have two games with Wichita State. Uh, they have a game with SMU here at home. They're going to have to win some of those games to build the resume. Plus, remember, there is also the conference tournament, which is at Amway Center. So, uh, you make a deep run in the conference tournament. You, you're, so they got a lot of opportunities. What this team needs to do now, they, they got to gel. This team has got to gel with BJ Taylor. I expect personally, and I think Coach Dawkins alluded to this in the postgame, and that is I expect to see B.J. Taylor play a lot of two guard as well as the point guard with Terrell Allen playing the point because I think B.J. is going to have to be the number one scorer on this team um, most nights. And, and instead of being a distributor, he may have to uh, carry the offense at certain points of the game So, mm-hmm. um, and help these young guys along. So I, I don't look for that. Um, but look, it's still a lot of time left in the basketball season. We're still in January. There's still a lot of big games, so I wouldn't throw in the towel on the season based on the loss to Cincinnati. Certainly an opportunity loss there because certainly a home game against Cincinnati is an opportunity there to put a big name win there. A ranked team in the country didn't happen, but the good news is you're in a conference where you're still going to get multiple if not more opportunities to build your resume but you got to win games no question about it and to do that they have the defense to do it the defense is is going to give them a chance to win every game basically they're going to they're going to keep them in the game but you're right the offense uh which has been difficult to see at times has to step up and now that bj's back now i'm ready to see how this develops in the coming games in the coming weeks uh how this offense looks with bj taylor
1: Interestingly enough, yeah, and this is going to be the hard part, like you said, and I think Coach Dawkins alluded to it in the postgame. You know, he's right now, BJ's on a bit of a minutes limit. Yeah. And they're trying to be very careful with him. And, boy, this is just hard, figuring out how to play with your best player who's basically rehabbing an injury while you're in the thick of conference play. This is not an easy task, what they're trying to do. So, um, it's just... I I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be tough. But what you do have is this. you got USF coming up in the Sun Dome uh, on Saturday before you go out to Wichita on Thursday. uh, That would be next Thursday, a week from when we're recording this, January 25th. Then your your next home game is uh, against UConn on Wednesday, January 31st, and then Houston on Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, Interestingly enough, after that, as we're looking at the next five games, uh, they go back to they, they. have the return trip to Cincinnati on Tuesday, February sixth. That game is not being played at Cincinnati. It is scheduled to be played at BB&T Arena in Highland Heights, Kentucky, which is actually the home arena of Northern Kentucky University, NKU, the Norse. Um, they are uh, because of. Uh, the fact that um, there's actually an article in here on Cincinnati.com that goes into detail about this. So this is because Cincinnati is, uh, is undergoing uh, their, their home arena, Fifth Third Arena in Cincinnati, is undergoing an $87 million renovation. So Cincinnati's playing their home games at Northern Kentucky. Um, interestingly enough, the women's team is playing their home games at a high school, St. Ursula Academy, in uh, East Walnut Hills, uh, uh, in East Walnut Hills. So, um, yeah, and this is according to Cincinnati.com. So, um, interesting that's interesting. That that, that. That's
0: very yeah. interesting. You got, you got two teams in the league that have are not playing home games in their homes. Houston, uh, which is getting a, a revamped and a new arena, they're they're playing off campus. Uh, for their home games this year in various places in the state of texas i know recently when they played tulsa they played it at texas southern university they're playing some of their home games at rice uh campus so uh that's interesting you got two teams that are at the top of the league that are not playing uh and on campus at least at home which is very interesting
1: yeah ucf does not have a trip to houston this year so we don't have to worry about that um but still, that's that's what we're looking at as we're as you know we're now almost through January and heading toward it was we're in mid mid January basically and heading toward February. So, um, as I'm looking at the schedule right now, Eric, twelve and six, three and three. Where do you think this team has to get in order to have a shot at maybe an at large?
0: Well, let's go. Let's go through the rest of the read off their schedule. And I'm going to tell you which games I think they're going to they're key here and and All right. and,
1: and they're 12- that'll kind of. They're twelve and six right now. Yeah, at USF,
0: they got to win that. You have to beat USF. USF is
1: terrible. Uh, their you RBI got is sweet terrible. You to USF too because you got them twice. And,
0: well, it. and that's the scary thing. This is the nervous thing about this. It's a rivalry game. USF's going to be ready to play these games. These games, these two specific games, they're going to be prepared to play and give it their best shot. You see, and with the offense the way it is, this is a concern on Saturday at the Sundo. They have to win these two games, and this Saturday game is a tricky game. It's a 6 o'clock Saturday game. You're just coming off a Cincinnati game. You mentioned it. They're going to Wichita State after this game. You cannot look ahead here. It, it, this is a. I'm, t- I'm very nervous about this game, Jeff. I might not even sleep until tip off of this game. <laughs> that's how nervous I am about this game. But uh, I, they have to win those two games they play against USF. But I am definitely concerned about this Saturday. Yeah. Big big flag. Please do not take this game lightly. Do not overlook this game.
1: All right. Then at Wichita, uh, that's, that's going to be tough. Uh, home for UConn and Houston. Those are big two
0: big home games. You got to protect your home court. Obviously, if, if you're for real, I
1: think you went you 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 sweep that to. home that home double got right you. there. Got to at Cincinnati, tough, or, right? Me, I mean, at at cin- or versus Cincinnati at NCU. Well, the, <laughs>
0: the good news about that is that obviously Cincinnati is not in their comforts of their of their arena. Uh, on the other hand, the bad thing is you're playing in an arena UCF hasn't yeah. played in. So gonna uh, I'm going to project I'll project that as a loss, but it is an opportunity to win there. Obviously.
1: All right. So, like,
0: I think they have a if they're if they're going to pull an upset on the road, I think their best shot is that Cincinnati game instead, as opposed to Wichita State.
1: All right, then at Memphis.
0: You know, I tweeted this out last week after the UConn game. I think one of the keys for them to make the tournament was I felt they needed to split. Two trips that they have historically struggled in, obviously at UConn being one of them, and then at Memphis. We've had Taylor Young on this program talk about how tough it is to play there because of the rims. It's an NBA arena. Memphis is down, although they just blew out Connecticut, so it's not like they're a joke. But that's a tough place. UCF historically has struggled there. They have never won there against Memphis, going back to Conference USA days. I, I think, to me, they have to find a way to win that game. But I understand it's not easy. But you gotta, you have to show in your resume that you can win road games. So I, I have to say, yes, that's a game that you got to
1: win. So you're saying right now in their next six, probably split in the next six, three and three. That would get them to 15 and nine. Yeah. All right. Here is rapid fire, okay? And I mean rapid fire because you're not good at rapid fire here. Um, Let's do the the last six. Uh, Home for USF. When? Home for SMU. 11 a.m. tip.
0: Uh, You got to win that. You got to win that. At Tulsa. Tough place to play. Another historic place that they haven't played well. I'm going to say they lose that game just to be balanced. At Temple. Got to win that. They won there last year. Got to win that this year, I think.
1: Yeah, Temple's not very good this year. Nine and nine overall. Um, Tough schedule. Yeah, 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 that's true. But they're, they're off to a bad start in, uh, in conference as well. And then you wrap up home for Wichita and home for Tulane.
0: Boy, if you could pull off that Wichita win man yeah that would be, that's big that would be huge, but here's the X factor in this you're mentioning the regular season there's a conference tournament in Amway Center. you got to make some noise in that tournament you can't bow out bow out early if you can get to the semifinal if you can get to the final, you really put yourself in a great spot so again, that's what I'm talking about there are opportunities for this team to play themselves into the NCAA tournament obviously if you win the tournament conference tournament, you're an automatic bid. But there are opportunities. You just ran off that schedule. There are numerous games. I think twenty wins is that magic number. If you can get to twenty wins, get to about eleven conference wins, uh, you you put yourself in position. But you got to get some resume wins that will bump the RPI. Whether that be Wichita State, whether that be Cincinnati, uh, or even an SMU type of win. So
1: here's here's how I'm calculating it out right now. All right, so you have them down at basically going right now, going seven and five the rest of the way. Okay. Okay. that would get them to 19 and 11 overall and 10 and 8 in the league. Yep. Uh that's that would be including all right. Uh as I'm as I'm looking through 7 and 5, let's see. Uh USF yeah, 1 2 so that's 3 4 uh 5 6 seven. So okay, so you're going to have to steal some you're going to have to steal some along the way. You're going to have to steal the SMU game. You're going to have yep. to steal a Memphis game as Cincinnati. Yep. If you can, if you can get those and then hold serve at home, then you're looking at twenty-two and ten, and then eleven wins in conference, and you know like eleven and seven. Right, it's big swing. Yeah, you know.
0: So and then you got to do, and you still got conference tournament games which yeah. people will be watching. So how you finish will play a big role. So again, that's it's it's there to be had, but you're going to have to win at some of these places. They haven't won there before, and I think that's a key part of this season and will determine uh, whether this team is an NCAA tournament team or an NIT team.
1: Right. All right, so that's what we're looking at right now. Next game is at USF in Tampa, Saturday at 6 p.m. Next home game, January 31st. That's a Wednesday night, 9 p.m. tip on CBS Sports Network. By the way, the USF game's on ESPNU, but the uh, 9 p.m. tip, that's a late tip uh, for the welcome for the UConn to prime game. time, now, baby. yeah, that's that's one yeah, of wanted on the big show. network. Yep. So um, that's what we're looking at on Wednesday night uh, for the UConn game, and then Houston right after that on ESPNU at noon on February third. Um, so that's where your UCF men's basketball team uh, is looking right now. Stick around; we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hop over to women's basketball. Check in with. Uh, Coach Abe's team as they make their way through the conference uh, through the conference schedule, checking their RPI and do they have a shot to maybe get that coveted number two spot behind UConn in the American? Stick around, the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by Exp Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at wesellorlando.net. Again, that's wesellorlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at facebook.com slash wesellorlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality.
0: And follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148
1: studios now and start working on our next all-new nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Don't forget to follow us at Black and Gold Banneret, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter and Facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. And follow this podcast on Google Play. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. All right. Let's dive. Up. We probably talked about a, a deep dive on men's basketball. Let's do a deep dive on women's basketball right now. So uh, they're 12-7, 4-2 in the league. Uh, and coming off of uh, a win over Tulane on the home floor on the American Digital Network, fifty nine fifty one. Eric Lopez, you were there. Um, good for them to get off the schneid after uh, back-to-back losses to number one UConn and number 25, USF, on the road for both of those uh, for both of those meetings. USF just did USF things in that game. I mean, it looked like everything that they did wrong last year in the matchup in the Sun Dome, they did right this time around. But Coach Abe's team shakes it off. Uh, they get the 59-51 uh, victory uh, against the Green Wave. Um, and coming up, they've got Saturday at 2 p.m. against SMU. That's on the American Digital Network uh, as well. But uh, the Knights... Um, actually, led by a bunch more than uh, than the score indicated, they jumped out seventeen eight after the first, um, and they were up uh, to, uh, forty. Was it forty seven to thirty two after three? I think Eric. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they
0: had about a 15-point lead. Yeah, yeah,
1: and then they kind of let Tulane back into it. But Yeah, uh, Tulane
0: made a run, p- a little full-court press, some turnovers, some missed shots, uh, free throws, you know, kind of got Tulane back. I mean, it's no surprise. These two teams have played for a lot of years uh, going back to Conference USA. They played twice last year, including in the quarterfinals of the right. Conference Tournament. It's a battle, in fact. Uh, You mentioned I was the sideline reporter for the broadcast on the American Digital Network. In fact, we're going to play. I had a chance to talk to Coach Abe on the postgame show uh, about that fact, the fact about Tulane being a tough, tough scrappy team and how they were able to win this game led by her star guard. And what does this mean going into SMU on
1: Saturday?
2: Yeah, well, you said a defense and just – You know, we did a good job of subbing people in and out, and we stayed out of foul trouble. That's huge for us because if we're in foul trouble, our bench is really small, and so we just did a good job, and we controlled Kobe. I mean, I don't know how many points she ended with, but that's huge for us.
0: Zakia Saunders, I mean, you've talked about her since she arrived here. Her first double-double at UCF night, career-high 12 rebounds for her, and got some really big loose balls for you down the stretch. Talk about her game there, rising to the occasion there when you needed her.
2: Yeah, and, and we had a nice little chat at halftime, like we can't let up, and Z's been with us for four, five years now and been to the NCAA tournament three times, so she knows what big games are, and we have never beat Tulane here at home, ever. This is the first time that we've ever beat Tulane here at home. So that, that was a big win for us. They're a great team, and they're very well coached.
0: What do you t- how do you take this game now to your next game against SMU? They're going to be back home here and keep that intensity that you want from your team.
2: Yeah, I mean, it starts with Z and KK and Aliyah and I. Those are the four that have to come ready to go every single game and, and be focused every single game and play tough and, you know, play together. None of our games are ever pretty, but they're wins, so that's what's important.
0: All right, that was Coach Abe with me on uh, the post game, courtesy of the American Digital Network. Uh, quick post game after the win. And she mentioned it there in the interview and talked about, oh, look, they got some defensive plays, they made some big plays. But how about Kay Saunders, as they refer to her in that building, uh, Jeffrey? Uh, you know, it, 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 she's a newcomer, but yet she's been around the program. She's been, as she mentioned in the interview, she played at Albany for Coach Abe. Yep. I've, been, Zaki, Zakiya Saunders, I've been so impressed with her, and I had a chance to talk to her again in the postgame. Had a career-high 12 rebounds. First double-double such a poised guard. She made, she makes the little, you know, she makes those little plays that make a big difference. You know what I mean? Like when Tulane's making the run, she's the one that will like get the loose ball rebound. You know, she's the one that gets that loop big pass to get that basket. Um, I remember talking to Coach Abe last year when I was preparing to do a couple of broadcasts and shooter rounds, and she wouldn't, you know, Saunders was sitting out because she was transferred from Albany, and I, I, she just wouldn't, you know, she just she's like a, a coach on the court, and, and I could see why. And she's such a difference maker uh, to this team. And I thought K.K. Wright had a heck of a second half, but she's just a sophomore uh, from boy, Orlando better I mean, this year, huh? hasn't she? And, boy, I'm impressed. What's your thoughts on Masseny Kaba? who's had to step up inside because they've had injuries inside with Fifi and door out and, and, and so much, a couple of front court players are short handed with injuries. Masseny Kaba to me, who got them off to a fantastic start inside with a good low post game. She's just a freshman uh, coach talks about how she runs like a gazelle. I mean, I tell you, I've been impressed with some of the youngsters on this team, Jeff. And I know we're talking about this year, but, with Kaba and KK Wright, a couple youngsters there, uh, man, I, I just very impressed with Kaba. I know you've gotten a chance to see her, but don't you f- – I mean, she's kind of the future of this team. I mean, I, I've been really – especially in women's basketball, you don't see a lot of players that can dominate in the post. Uh, heck, you don't even see it in the men's game that much anymore, right? Everybody's a perimeter. Yeah. I, I, just, I love her game, and she's got that presence inside. Like Tulane had no answers for her in the first half, and um, – she can run up, up and down the court. I, I mean this the, fut- the, the future is just un- – I can't wait for I mean, this kid can develop into. Uh, it might be – I mean by the time her career ends, maybe maybe the best big person uh, – I don't know what's the politically correct way to say it. Big man, but is it big woman? I don't know how you say it, but whatever.
1: You know what I'm saying. Big, I guess you could say.
0: One of the best bigs in the history of thank you. See, you're, you're the, that's why you went to Syracuse yeah. and I did. Um, <laughs> one, one of the best bigs this program's had.
1: Yeah, I, you know, there are times out there when she still looks raw. I mean, she is just—I mean, she is just a freshman, right? Um yeah. And you know, at six three, you know, and you're you know eighteen, nineteen years old. It's you're still trying to figure out how to be six three when you're that uh, when you're that young. But you know, she really has developed, and she's had to because of the the injuries that UCF has faced with you know Tolua McCorry being out, yep. uh, Fifi Endure being out. You know, there's 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 your starting center and power forward right there, right? So. You know, Kaba has had to step in and uh, and, and, pl- and play. Uh, Nye Schuler had to, instead of coming off the bench, she's actually uh, been in the starting lineup as more or less like a you know kind of a swing player over there. And uh, you mentioned you mentioned Zakiya Saunders, who you know that's the experience I think that you're talking about. And even though she was four of twelve from the field, she had eleven points and twelve rebounds. Twelve rebounds for a five nine guard. That that that's t- that tells me something about her experience. Um, that her nose for the ball um she's really been uh she's she's become more and more indispensable to the team I think as the season has gone by you mentioned KK finished with 14 points 3 rebounds 7 assists in that game um the, 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 because they have been without because the um uh, Zy Lewis graduated last year uh and and coach Abe kind of um Alluded to this at times last year that basically I, I do have a three point shooter and I'm going to use that weapon, um, but no one else should be shooting threes really. <laughs> she she wants to She wants to work <laughs> right. the ball down low. She wants to work the game from the inside out. And so we've seen UCF, you know, basically eschew the three point shot. They're only one of four in this game. Um, and I'm looking at the uh, the team statistics here. Um, for three-point uh, field goal percentage, UCF is close to the bottom at twenty-six point five percent. But this is what's pretty uh, unbelievable: is um, UCF has attempted one hundred and thirteen three-point shots this year, the next lowest in the conference in that department. The next, the team that's taken the next fewest three-point shots is Wichita State, and they've taken more than twice as many as UCF. They've taken two hundred and thirty-eight. <laughs> Uh, if you're yeah. wondering who takes the most, it's USF with 474, <laughs> and they've hit 173 of them. They're second in percentage at three six at 36 uh, percent. UConn uh, is hitting 39 percent from three point range. Um, so, so that'll give you an indication of what they're uh, of what you're looking at uh, as far as USF, as far as UCF is concerned. They just don't want to. They, they it's just yeah. not our
0: game. But you know what? I'm going to give them credit for not forcing it because you and I have seen a lot of women's basketball. Oh, there have been a can lot of force teams it a lot, <laughs> yeah. right? No, do not you agree with me? Uh, how many times we've seen teams either playing UCF or even on television that are not good perimeter shooting teams, but shoot them anyway? Right? They're like, why? You know, and that's why you see a lot of low scoring games. So I give them credit for not forcing the issue.
1: And let's Obviously, also give the it... defense credit too, because this is a UCF yeah. team that's yeah. second in the league in scoring defense behind UConn. And yeah. <laughs> not that far behind, really. UConn's giving up 55.6 a game. UCF's giving up 56.2. So you can hang your hat on that. The only difference is that they're second to last in scoring offense at only sure. 59.5 a game. So um, so it, it, the question is always going to be with this team is where are the points going to come from?
0: Well, and the thing is, teams are locking in, and focused on Aliyah Gregory this year. If you notice, yeah. she's been quiet to this point because teams are trying to take her out of the game. Now, I will point out that it was around this time of year last year where she took it up, took it to a next level in conference play. So there's still time for her to do that. But part of the issue this year is teams are trying to focus on her and make others beat them. Right. So the secrets um, out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but their defense will give them chances to play. Uh, they're playing. You know, they played seven in the win against Tulane. They, they that's the way they are right now, with the way they are banged up. So, um, you know, it's a good bounce back win for them. You know, look, I, I, not to make excuses for them. I thought they had a rough schedule. The conference didn't do many favors. By a, you're playing at UConn, all right? Which you know that speaks for itself, right? But then you're following that. you got to play at USF, which are arguably the two best teams in the league. You and I have seen you, uh, USF. You've seen them up yeah. close in person Reece, well, I, last year. I don't, year. I don't a,
1: think there's an argument. I think they are the two best teams in the
0: right. league. Right. And mean, then you mentioned how they could shoot the ball. USF's good. And, you know, UCF kind of ran into, I think, a, a juggernaut. USF was motivated for that game. I was exchanging tweets with our friend Colin Sherwin, who's obviously a longtime USF guy. He mm-hmm. has covered that program. You know they had that game circled. Uh, yeah, on especially Sunday after last after, year, <laughs> absolutely, because that's all they heard about is how they lost to the UCF for the first time in 19 years. So they were ready to go in that game. Whereas UCF was coming off the Yukon game, which is an emotional game. And, 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 you know, sometimes when you beat a team like you did last year, you think, oh, we could do it again real easy. Well, except USF took it to a different level, but that's a tough back to back. I mean, that is, there is no more tougher back to backs in this conference than going to UConn and USF. So um, it is what it is. The good news is you got those two out of the way. Uh, What they got to do is they've won the games they're supposed to, and they got SMU coming up at Saturday, protect your home court. And then hopefully uh, Aliyah gets going offensively and that offense improves a little bit. And, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the team is, you know, considering the injuries they've had, I mean, we've talked so much about the men and having all their injuries, but, the women's had a ton of injuries, oh yeah, especially inside, which was a big part of their success last year. So they're, they're still in the mix and they have opportunities. Uh, what's going to be interesting with them as far as postseason is concerned, I, UConn and USF, which will be locks for the NCAA tournament. I think the interesting question will be, does the American get three? teams into the NCAA do they get four in from the NCAA tournament and if they do I think the contenders are Houston and UCF for that third slot maybe fourth slot
1: well right now that's that's the way it would be obviously UConn at 16 and 0 overall 5 and 0 in the league leadingly USF off to their customary uh, very good start 15 and 4 5 and 1 in the conference and then you have a tie for third between Houston and UCF at 4 and 2 in the American, Houston is a uh, fifteen and five overall. UCF twelve and seven overall. Half game ahead of Cincinnati at three and two in the league and eleven and seven. And then everyone after that uh, is at five hundred or below, except for Temple, who's nine and eight. They're one game over five hundred. That's in terms of overall record. There's kind of a big dividing line between the top five in the American: UConn, USF, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and then Wichita, and then everyone else below them. Have kind of struggled a little bit this year, so um, so that's kind of the position that UCF is in right now. And as we look ahead to the schedule, Eric, um, at home for SMU on Saturday at two, that is a very winnable game. uh, SMU is seven and eleven overall, one and four in the league. And then you go on the road at Tulsa on Saturday, January twenty seventh. So you got a week off for that. Then you're at then you're at Cincinnati on. Uh, Tuesday, January thirtieth. Before you come home for Memphis on February third, and then number one, UConn on February seventh. That's a Wednesday night at seven p.m. So, um, and by the way, that Memphis team is also struggling at seven and eleven, two and three in the league. Uh, so there are some opportunities here. Uh, Cincinnati, too, by the way. That's going to be a big game for UCF against that Cincinnati yep. team, where they' these two teams are going to kind of be neck and neck in the standings most likely when they get to that point. So. Uh, right. So this this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough little stretch here coming up, especially those two road games and that one against Cincinnati.
0: Also, another game to circle, and I know it's a little far away, but it's a game I've circled Sunday, February eighteenth. USF comes to the CFE Arena. That's yeah. a significant. First of all, circle that weekend. Well, you know, you know this better than anybody, having worked there. There's always that one weekend where there's just a million things going on. Yeah, that's the and uh, it's that's all- the
1: spring uh, that's the that's the spring sports equinox. <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, look at that weekend. That's the weekend that baseball will open with Virginia on that Friday night of that weekend. And then uh, Rice on that Saturday and then Sanford uh, on that Sunday. And remember, Rice and Virginia involved. So there's gonna be a lot of college baseball going on all weekend long at the baseball's complex softballs home opener against Texas Tech is on that Saturday at 1 o'clock. They got FAMU that day as well. Men's basketball has got the big game against SMU, which is an 11 a.m. tip on that Saturday. And then the women have U, uh, you, know, USF on that Sunday. Uh, I believe it's a noon tip off. The good news, I guess, for all of the people that work there is that that's on a Sunday, and it's not following the men's game on oh, Saturday. God in heaven. <laughs>
1: I've worked. Um, those I don't games, even know man. what. Oh, that's brutal.
0: And I'm not including like tennis stuff or you know that might be going on that weekend. That is, uh, but you talk about a huge weekend for a lot of the teams. That is the in, in the biggest weekend, one of the biggest weekends of the year uh, for the UCF athletics in that regard. And that women's game against USF is big. They only played once last year. They they get, they get to play twice this year, and, and I'll be interested to see how UCF responds at home against USF because you know. Uh, let's be honest it's you're, you're probably not going to get the uconn resume winner right <laughs> it's just i mean i feel like if you keep it under 20 you might that can, might count as a resume builder you know uh, um but if you can beat usf then second place could be in play and, well, bets comp, are off. and
1: yeah exactly Yeah. so i don't know man it's gonna be uh it's it, 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 I I think that there's a chance if they get hot and if they get a little bit more healthy. I mean, you're not going to get Tolo or Fifi back, but um, if they can, if someone else can grab that, so it can pick up a little bit more of the scoring load from Aaliyah, right? Uh, consistently, I think we might have a little something to be uh, to be excited about.
0: RPI, yeah, RPI coming into the week was like 52. You know,
1: um, uh, you want to be in the. Uh, I'll tell you right, it's what 55. Is it now? 55. It's 55
0: now. So, look, they're going to have to get a resume win. They don't really have a resume win, right? There's not a win that jumps out right now that says, yeah. whoa. But they, they'll they have some chances. And To be you know, fair, though, some,
1: that's the third best RPI in the American. Oh, it is.
0: Yes, but, it, you is. Know, it is. It is. But they're going to have to kind of, you know, the, the, the Houston game is going to be big because those two teams are going to be battling it out if that USF home game I mentioned about and obviously, look, when you get to the conference tournament up in the Mohican uh, in Connecticut, uh, if you can get to the final, let's say, uh, let's avoid the UConn side first. If you can get to the final against UConn, that that might get you in as well. So uh, you know, a lot of basketball to go. I, do, I think you would agree with this. We have two postseason basketball teams. We just don't know if it's going to be an NCAA teams right. or NIT teams.
1: Yep, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So, And we'll find out in the next – I think in the next month we're going to see – we're going to know exactly pretty much where, where they're going to be. So um, that'll let's put a bow on women's basketball again for um, uh, again their fi- their next game home Saturday uh, January 20th uh, at home against SMU that's at 2 p.m. on the American digital uh, network. All right. Um, real quick, I want to check in with tennis. They, uh, they are starting up their season. The women's tennis team uh, has been competing in the uh, ITF 25,000 Lake Nona, at, at Lake Nona. Um, they start their regular team play schedule uh, Friday, this Friday, January 19th, against number no. 15 South Carolina. And they've got one, two, three, four, five matches at home to start uh, the season uh, against North Texas, Alabama, Troy, and UNF, and Detroit and UNF, that's a doubleheader on Sunday, um, February 4th. So um, so you can catch them twice in one day there down at Lake Nota. Men's tennis, by the way, uh, they start their season on Monday at number 9 Florida. That's up in Gainesville. Then they head out to L.A. to face Utah State and another opponent to be determined on January 29th. They do a Sunday, Monday out in L.A. Um, they're at Auburn, February 4th. And then uh, check out this schedule, Eric. Um, start, they, they have their home opener February 7th. That's a Wednesday against UNF. Then they're off for almost a month. They don't play another match until Saturday, March 3rd. At least they're not scheduled to. Uh, and then in the span of 20 days, they play the following. Michigan, Baylor, Penn State, Virginia, Minnesota, Indiana, Miami, Arkansas, and Princeton all at home. So uh, props to <laughs> props to Coach Roddick, uh for <laughs> for scheduling here, but boy, that's a murderer's row uh, in your. It, and yes, they're all at home, but boy, oh boy, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough stretch. We're hoping to. Um, I, I'm hoping to see if we can get down there a little bit and catch a little bit more tennis uh, in the coming uh, in the coming weeks. We'll have to call up Brian Ormiston and see what's going on down there. Make but it happen, Jeffrey. I'm know, fired up. You that, know you
0: know what I've been doing overnight. I know. One of the re- I'm watching I mean, the Aussie Open, for man. For
1: some reason, man, you are you are a lunatic about tennis. You stay up all hours of the night and you watch the Australian <laughs> Open, like like the like a vampire. I don't understand it, man. It's. it's uh, but, well, I love but it. I love the sport. Being Chris Fowler, see. man. Yeah, you, how about Chris Fowler? How about
0: Chris Fowler calls a national Fowler championship and
1: Lee <laughs> and, and Bob Lee out there doing it do, do, keeping track of Australian Open tennis. No,
0: oh, Bob Lee doesn't do the tennis now. Doesn't Come not do, do I,
1: tennis I, anymore.
0: He's a soccer guy. No, he's exclusively soccer. I thought soccer.
1: he was t- tennis as well.
0: Nope, nope, oh, nope, okay. nope, nope. It's uh, you. it's Mr. Fowler who obviously did the national championship game at La- Alabama, Georgia last Monday, then flew to uh, Australia. Is so calling the out the, to the Melbourne, Melbourne right? Yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good lifestyle there. But yeah, I've I've enjoyed tennis as a kid. I had a chance to talk to John Roddick when he arrived here, um, not this past fall, but uh, last fall. And uh, great guy, obviously the brother of Andy Roddick and, and, and led the tennis team to the NCAA tournament last year. First time that UCF tennis has been to the NCAA tournament and since 2005. Yep. Um, so, you know, we'll see what he, I know he had a great recruiting class coming in this year, so we'll see how the, you mentioned the schedule, but uh, let's see if they're up for it.
1: Right. So we'll be following that as they uh, move along. All right. So um, let's, uh, let's quickly finish with this. I wanted to talk to, uh, I think I mentioned some of this earlier. So, uh, I'm getting into trouble with a, couple of, uh, with a couple of Syracuse fans about— No, you? Uh, yeah, me. Um, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that they were kind of getting on UCF's case that— or, or, or UC, they, Yeah, they were getting on UCF's case because UCF has scheduled two ACC opponents in their non-conference schedule in 2018, so Pitt and UNC. Uh, and those games are official because the ACC just you know, hammered down their schedule and released it. And uh, and a couple of Syracuse fans were like, "Oh well, yeah, yeah. Uh, UCF. Oh, you're getting you know Pitt in North Carolina, huh? Oh boy, you're really boosting your resume there." And I'm like, "Wait a second, shut up, you Syracuse fans!" And I'm a and I love Syracuse. I, I actually, you know, I, the first time I found out about Syracuse was actually watching Syracuse football, not Syracuse basketball. So I'm a I'm a Syracuse football fan in a in a at a basketball school, right? Meanwhile, Syracuse... Here's Syracuse. Let me read you their their outrageous football schedule for next year. Okay, I know they're in the ACC, but your non-conference schedules at Western Michigan, home for something called Wagner, um, home for UConn. Okay, I get it. And then okay, they play they play Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium next year. Okay, 2019 they are at Liberty. They play a road game at Liberty. They're at Maryland. Okay, fine. Big 10, whatever. Home for Western Michigan and home for Holy Cross. I thought Holy Cross dropped football 20 years ago. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I couldn't believe when I saw that. They've also got another. They've actually got two more games with Liberty on the schedule in 2020 and 2021. They got Albany on the schedule. I didn't know Albany had football. Um, <laughs> they. they I, I do not want to hear it from from FBS schools, from so-called Power Five schools, especially Syracuse University, about our schedule. You know, they're complaining about it, saying, okay, hey, we got these two ACC opponents. They're like, oh, big deal. Hey, shut up, okay? UCF is trying to actually schedule in a way that so that what happened this year doesn't happen again. And... They shouldn't be criticized for that, you know. Meanwhile, I mean, UCF is trying to schedule everybody that they possibly can. Now, right. what I would like to see though is, you know, they, we had the fans who did the billboard, uh, you know, in, Tusca- in Tuscaloosa, right? I almost said Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, right? Where hey, how, Alabama, how about a home at home? I'm like, home at home, no. Let's play them wherever. I'll play them in. We'll play him in Tuscaloosa. We'll play them in Birmingham. We'll play them in. You know, in in my backyard. I don't care. Let's <laughs> let's play them wherever. Let's offer them a game wherever they want.
0: Yeah, I would. First of all, Syracuse is trying to. What that schedule tells you is they're trying to be bowl eligible. I mean, they're trying to get enough wins to be bowl eligible. They've had their the, struggles but, but there.
1: Wait a minute. No, they can't be because they're playing. Wagner, that's not a one double. That's a, that's excuse, that's not an FBS team. Yeah, we don't know what the schedule with the uh, we don't know what the scholarship situation is going to be. Hello, oh, hello so Florida they'll, they'll, State. Um, they, hey, okay, look, and that was Michigan proven incorrect. incorrect. They, they, they were fine, but okay. But but if that's the case, you know, don't play
0: Holy Cross. Doesn't Jim Boeheim does the same thing in men's basketball? Isn't that like a Syracuse thing where they don't play? Like Jim Boeheim doesn't oh, yeah, even leave the
1: state. Well, yeah, that's yes, that, that's true. <laughs> it, the the legend with Syracuse is that Syracuse basketball doesn't leave the state of New York right. until New Year's Day.
0: Which, right, which is, by the way, a good segue because we talk about, you know, a lot of chatter about this home and home and, hey, well, teams won't play UCF uh, here and this or that. Well, that's not just a football thing. I mean, basketball is the same thing. Let me ask you this question Is North Carolina going to come play at the CFV Arena anytime soon? Is Michigan State going to come down here? Uh, You know, Kansas? I mean, they don't. Uh, so it's not like football is the only sport where the power five teams don't play at certain non-power five schools. All right. So let's not act like this is just a football thing. It's, it happens in men's basketball. I'm with you. If you want to play these big games and these big opponents, you've got to sometimes do what you got to do, whether it be playing a neutral field. Right. In college basketball, the big thing is a lot of teams now will play these teams in NBA arenas. So they could showcase themselves in an NBA arena. UCF, that's how UCF got Florida. If you remember uh, many years ago when they beat Florida in Donnie Jones' first year, that was played at the Amway Center because Florida would never play at the CFE arena. So um, you got to be creative sometimes with the schedule. You mentioned this last episode, Boise State. What have they done? They played Georgia at the Georgia Dome. Beat them there. They played Virginia Tech at where the Washington Redskins play, Beat them there. Um That's what you're going to have to do if you want to beef up the schedule. Now, I'll defend UCF's schedule in this regard from 2018 is North Carolina and Pittsburgh, when you sign that deal, these are two programs that have been consistent bowl teams. Mm -hmm. Larry Fedora recently with North Carolina, they were an ACC title contender. It just so happens – Everything fell off the cliff for North Carolina in 2017 and the same thing for Pittsburgh. But you saw that Pittsburgh is capable by knocking off Miami at the end of the year. And oh, by the way, they beat Clemson the year before when Clemson won the national title. So it's not like Pittsburgh. That's a pretty good two games to play. I think if you're UCF, you're kind of hoping that those two programs bounce back in 2018 just to make your resume look better if you were to happen to beat those two teams. But you're right. Um, Alabama is never going to come and play UCF at UCF. So if you want to play Alabama, you're probably going to have to play them at Alabama or in a, if you if you get them to agree to it in a neutral field, kind of like what the Florida States and Miamis had to do back in the uh, 70, 80s, and that's how they got their program up to mainstream national uh, you yeah. know, respectability.
1: Well, it was a different landscape back then because you had a, you had a hundred independent sure. teams too. That's the sure. other thing. So, you but know, back the then thing. Miami had right. a little bit more, and Florida State, by the way, had a little right. bit more flexibility with schedules because you Correct. could play, you know, South Carolina, you could play Penn State because those schools were independent sure. at the time too.
0: But the, yeah, but the reality is this: we could talk all we want about the Auburn win at the Peach Bowl, but if you follow the sport for a long time, beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Isn't what's going to get you over the hump. What it is, is beating Auburn in a, an Auburn type team in September in October. And I'll use Houston as an example. Houston beat Florida state in the peach bowl, but that's not the win that people think about, about Houston. The win that they keep bringing up is what it was the following year when they knocked off Oklahoma right. in Houston at Reliant stadium. That was the win. They're like, whoa. They just beat Oklahoma on the opening weekend of the season. This, you know, and that all of a sudden the hype machine was on Houston. The media jumped on them. Hey, if they can go under, you know, they should get considered Yada yada yada. Remember that was the whole Big Twelve talk. Right. Beat Oklahoma and Houston. That's when you make noise. Is when you beat those teams in September and October. It has a bigger impact than when you do in bowl games.
1: Can I point out one thing? You mentioned Boise State earlier. I just want to read yeah. off some of their future non-conference opponents. Ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. Next year, Troy at Washington State, home for Virginia at BYU. Pretty good. Okay. 2018, at Troy, Yukon, at Oklahoma State, home for BYU. Not bad. Yeah. 2019, Florida State at Jacksonville, yeah. Marshall, Portland State and at BYU. You got Florida State in Florida.
0: I mean, that's pretty yep.
1: good. Okay, 2020, Georgia Southern, Florida State at home, at Marshall, home for BYU.
0: Obviously, the BYU has become like an annual series right. there, so it's yeah, kind of like that, a, that
1: ends in 2024, at least for right now. Right. That contract goes sure. through 2023. They also got, in the future, they got Houston, Oklahoma State again, yeah. Oregon State, Michigan State. Uh, yeah. Rice is on there. Well, Rice isn't on there, but, but Houston in 2024, Cincinnati and. 2024 as well. Another one with Washington State. East Carolina is going up there. Um, so let's hand it to Boise State. they That's the benchmark. Yeah. yeah. So That's why they
0: get ranked in these polls. That's why they get the benefit of the doubt because they've done this year in, year out. I remember them back when they beat Oregon. They beat Oregon and Chip Kelly. Uh, and they Scott beat them Frost. at home. Yes, when Scott Frost had a hold back LeGarrett Blunt after he punched him. No, he
1: a- hold back LeGarrett Blunt. He practically picked him up and hauled him off the field. <laughs> you see that video? That was amazing. Yes, I did. It was great. I, I remember it see, as, I remember, as. See, I remember when that happened. And I, I didn't put two and two together until recently. I was like, wait a minute. That's Scott yep. Frost? Like, yep. LeGarrett Blunt is a large man. And, Correct, and here's Scott Frost picking him up like a like one of those oversized teddy bears that you see at a county fair, and hauling him off the field. It was unbelievable. Go YouTube, one that, my, yeah. people.
0: Oh, it's very entertaining there. So yeah, that's that's <laughs> the name of the game. That's how this stuff works. That's why Boise State was ranked so high in these some of these. But look, I thought Boise State. I remember in 2006. I'm like, I was the one that was screaming that Boise State should get a shot at the national title, and they were defeated when Florida won it in a year where they lost at home to Ole Miss. So. This is not, you know, what we just went through. Isn't the first time it's ever happened in college football, and it's probably going to happen again. By the way, did you see the, some of the new committee members? Uh, did Danny you see a familiar? White is f- on
1: the. Uh, I think is on a. Um, uh, he's he made a or he's on the uh, M- American Athletic Conference's uh, media rights committee. I did see that from the recent.
0: But yeah, no, no, the, uh, the the playoff C- committee. committee?
1: The play- okay. What what do you got?
0: Todd Stansberry will be in it. Interesting. Former UCF ADs, now the Georgia Tech AD. Duco's, uh the Oklahoma AD, who's one of the more respected ADs in the country, will be the chairman uh, for the uh, playoff mm-hmm. committee. But uh, Todd Stansberry in there. Ronnie Lott is going to be part of the committee there, former what is, player. Okay,
1: let me say, I have tremendous respect and admiration for Ronnie Lott. When I was a kid, by the way, um, uh, I remember when the Super Bowl, this is my crowning athletic achievement in my life, um, Remember when the Super Bowl was in Miami it was the or it was the uh, Chargers and the 49ers. Yes, yes okay. I did. So there's this thing called the World's Largest Super Bowl Party. And it was in Broward, it was at the Broward Convention Center. And it was it's this big thing that was put on I think by the play, by Player's Inc, right? And there was this competition where if you make like 3 basketball shots like a free throw, a college 3 and an NBA 3, you get to come back later and go in a shootout for a seven-day cruise. Well, lo and behold, I, 11-year-old, or no, not even 10-year-old me, made it. And then I won the shootout against, and and when you win the shootout against the other people who made all three of those shots, you get to shoot off against Ronnie Lott, who couldn't have been nicer. I think at that time he was a member of the New York Jets. Um, Nicest guy. I still have my picture of me with Ronnie Lott. At the at
0: and now you're going to rip him, aren't you? You're going to no, rip him now. No, I'm not
1: going to rip. Him, but but I would want to know. They've had they have had former players up there, right? Yes. I have tremendous respect for Ronnie Law. I want to know how you get on that committee. Okay. I mean, I, I just want to know. I, it, it's. I'll reach out to your reach out
0: to Todd Stansberry. Maybe <laughs> he can get his. It's Seriously. True, maybe, yeah, I you
1: can
0: get maybe get them on. Look, I, I know some people are mad because there's no, you know, it's all power five and this or that. And oh, and I see people comment that, well, they're biased. And well, of course they are. They're human beings. Human beings have biases. It doesn't matter what human being you put there. Because I've heard people say, well, why don't you put coaches in? Well, coaches have biasness too, uh, media people. They've, people I've heard say they should be in the committee. Media people are biased, too. Look at the media in the South uh, compared to other media people. Everybody's biased towards their regions. The only way you're ever going to get rid of biasness is what I've said for many years and I've said on this show and I'll continue to say it. Automatic bids. Until you put a playoff system where you have automatic bids, you're always going to have some sort of biasness. And by the way, a, you know, administrative uh, ads—they're in basketball committees too. They're in other sports. It's not just football.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's going to be. I, I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have. You know, in terms of you know, will this move move the ball any any for the group of five? I just don't think it will. Um, one thing I did want to point out—I I did mention it a little bit earlier. Sorry, I kind of I, I overstepped it. But uh, the American um, had their uh, uh, meeting of the, their winter meeting uh, in Atlanta on January 10th. It's about a week ago. Um, interesting. Couple things that they, couple things that came out from this. Um, number one, the athletic directors—they um, uh, they approved the expansion of the uh men's soccer tournament from four to six teams starting in 2018 okay. Ooh. they are expanding the baseball umpiring crews from three to four starting in 2019 okay and uh, a couple of things also a little a little housekeeping but um, Rick Hart was uh, of SMU, uh, is appointed to the conference's AD Executive Committee. UConn, Director, uh, UConn AD David Benedict was selected as the liaison for the Men's Basketball Coaches Committee and the SAAC. And Danny White was named to the league's Media Rights Advisory Committee. Good move by Danny, certainly, and certainly by the American as well, since you're talking about the number one, uh, or I think... I. U, uh, UCF and USF being the top media markets in the American? Or no, no, yeah. that would be Houston. Houston was, is certainly number one, but I think UCF is the, I think Orlando is the third highest rated sure. uh, media market in the um, I'm fourth, sure. Actually, fourth actually behind sure. Houston and Dallas and Tampa.
0: I'm sure they'll bring up the big numbers that UCF did with USF TV ratings wise when right. they do their TV negotiations. Just make sure everybody give credit where it came from. BlackAndGoBannerEd.com, dot com. All right, all right.
1: Well, no, I can't do that. We got to give. We got to give credit to the Americans since that's from their. Um, since that's from their um, press release from Providence. So, but well, I know the, there's, there's just well, I meant the things the TV that you rating. want to take a look at. Yeah, and the TV rate. And by the way, that's what you can do. Um. We posted a page where uh, you can actually have uh, where we're trying to keep track of UCF's TV ratings, like of all time. We're just going to keep that updated. If you go under Night Insight on our menu, um, you can check out that page. It's UCF's historical TV ratings. Uh, Now it's not comprehensive; it's as far back as we could find, going back to 2013. We're still working on it, but at least you can kind of you can kind of sort them by highest rating, sort them by date. Uh, sort them by viewer number, uh, and that'll give you an idea of you know, where the different UCF games stack up in terms of national attention in history. So, um, so make sure you check on that. All right, so let's wrap this up, Eric Lopez. What do you have coming up this week?
0: Well, I'm not going to be sleeping much because I'm going to be nervous and uh, waiting for the UCF USF men's basketball game. So I'll probably be watching a lot of Australian Open tennis in between now and you know, then. You're doing that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, <laughs> uh, otherwise, other than that, actually, um, I do some podcasts. It's not the only podcast I do. I'm a host of the In the Circle on FastPitchNews.com softball podcast. Softball season's just around the corner. I just had the Tennessee Lady Vols head coach, Karen Weekly, on. And the reason I bring that up is she's the president of the NFCA, which is the Coaches Association, basically, in softball. And they have a big, big topic right now in the sport about coaches taking a stand against early recruitment and recruiting. I mean, there's young ladies that are committing to programs, Jeff, in seventh grade, sixth grade. Uh, at the rate that we're going, your daughter is going to be know? committed. It, it,
1: yeah. I mean, Eliza, it, do I have to start contacting Renee like right now? Be,
0: yeah, you better she's be careful. She's old be, for
1: crying out loud. Right.
0: Well, she might be a year away from verbally committing at the the rate we're going. So the the coaches are trying to put a stop to that with the NCAA. And I go in-depth in that with uh, Coach Weekly, who's the president of the NFCA, who's also obviously an all-time great head coach at Tennessee. So that's an interesting listen. And then uh, uh, hoping to get Coach Gillespie, speaking of which, uh, within the next week or two to get ready for UCF Softball, which is just around the corner. Uh, So I'll be working on that uh, and on other goodies. Yeah,
1: it should be good. It's going to be fun coming up with the next uh, couple of weeks as we approach the spring sports uh, equinox, and we'll be hopefully hitting up uh, media day for baseball and, uh, and reaching yep. out to Coach Gillespie as well for softball, seeing how that goes. Uh, we got a lot coming up for you on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com as well, and you got another article that's uh, coming up that I actually have to edit and post real soon, real quick. What is uh, what do you got coming up? Ta- Top
0: 10 games in UCF basketball history at the CFE Arena. Realize it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle with football, obviously, and everything's going on with the success there. But this, we're, we're in the 10-year anniversary of the basketball arena opening, This the CFE Arena, which opened in November of 2007. So it passed the 10-year mark on that. So I highlighted what I thought was the top 10 games ever played in that arena uh, with UCF basketball. So uh, that'll be coming out soon, and uh, you can agree or disagree with it.
1: Sounds good. Let us know at blackandgoldbanneret.com or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Don't forget also to follow Brian Murphy at Spokes underscore Murphy and Derek Warden at underscore DS Warden. Tell your friends about our podcast. Subscribe, rate, share. We're on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And thanks once again also to our sponsor, the Unger Real Estate Group, wesellorlando.net. Visit wesellorlando.net or facebook.com slash wesellorlando. Thanks once again to Sam for all his support. For Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. This has been the Black Paper Podcast. I'll catch you again next week.